1 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 7. How many of you know what today is? Let me ask that question. And while I'm welcoming those of you that will be watching by Facebook or through YouTube, we're glad to have you. But, uh, and so you think about that at home as well. So what day? What is today? What's the, it, who, who said that? All right, Passover. You're absolutely right. Did you know that today is Passover? It is. It is. And, uh, and so we're going to look at that tonight. And I, I want to speak to you about Christ, our Passover. Christ, our Passover. Look at it with me. Look at verse 7. Notice what it says. Verse 7 says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, the writing of this at the time had to deal with a major problem that was taking place in the church, and, uh, and there was an illicit relationship taking place. They needed to deal with it. They were hesitant about dealing with it, and so Paul writes to them about that and then encourages them in this, purge out therefore the old leaven and so forth. That's the context, all right? And to keep the feast, and he wanted them to do that, in other words, what he's talking about is like the Lord's Supper that we would. But he wanted them to keep the feast of Passover. To keep the feast of Passover. And so we're commanded to do that here as well as they were in the Old Testament. And so tonight I, I want to kind of cover that with you. I want to go over that. And I, I think it will be a blessing to you. And, uh, and so, but tonight, Jews around the world, if you, were, if you and I were Orthodox Jews tonight... We would have already started, because it's about the time of sundown, we would have already started in celebrating in the celebration of God's powerful deliverance from the bondage and slavery of Egypt. And they were to do that. So what I want you to do tonight, I want you to go back with me to the book of Exodus and look in chapter 12 with me. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. I know we talked about the law. We didn't really talk too much about this in their deliverance like we will tonight. But, uh, but I want you to see some things. And so notice what it says in Exodus chapter 12. And thank you for turning. And I'd like you to look with me, please, in, the, in verse 18. Exodus 12 in verse 18. All right, it says, In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at even ye shall eat the unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. And so you say, well, Brother Ed, today is the fifth. And that says the fourteenth. So how can this be Passover? Well, here's the answer to that. You know, uh, the Bible or the Hebrew calendar has never matched up with the Gregorian calendar, the calendar that comes from the Catholic Church. And, uh, and so, as a result, the date of Passover, along with a lot of other Jewish feasts, they change every year because of that. And so they run on a different calendar. But make no mistake, 
Passover is about the lamb. Passover is about the lamb. And that lamb's name was Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's what it's about. And so when Paul said, for even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. And so the Old Testament feast of Passover, it is a picture as well as a prophecy and even a personification, if you will, of God's lamb who would one day come uh, into the world and bring about our redemption. Now, do you know what I mean when I say personification? That's one of those 25 cent words. Might be 30. I don't know. Inflation. All right. Might cost you 30 now. But a personification is one of those parts of speech, like simile, metaphor, and some of those other ones that you ladies probably remember, all right, uh, from school. But personification is when you give human attributes to an inanimate object or to an animal, all right? And so, and so here, the lamb is not only going to be in its reality, a lamb, as we read about here in the book of Exodus in those times, but is also not only, not only in reality, but he is also a picture, if you will, of the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary for us. And so, and so what we want to look at tonight, we want to look in detail at this and take a little bit of time, take a few moments and look at this. So, so I want you to notice something, first of all, about the Passover lamb. That Passover lamb was spotless. He was spotless. Look with me in verse 3. Notice what it says. The Lord here is speaking to Moses. I'm in Exodus 12 and verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying... In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And look at verse 6. And ye shall keep it up unto the 14th day of the month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. What I want you to see first of all is this Passover lamb. Back in the days when they were in bondage, still in slavery, they were about to be delivered. But that lamb had to be spotless. He couldn't have a bad leg. He couldn't have an altered hoof, if you will. He, he couldn't have one ear a little bit droopier than the others. He couldn't have a scar on him. He couldn't have any, any, uh, uh, any of those flies that want to get in their nose sometimes and makes them ill and they can't breathe. He couldn't have any sickness. He, he couldn't have, you know, he, you know, he couldn't have a, have a black tail and a white leg. And, I, you know, he had to be... He had to be, whatever he was, it had to be complete. It had to be whole. And it could not have any marks or blemishes or scars or scabs or sores. And the only way to do that was to separate them from the rest of the flock. And they had to keep them up. Notice what it says. Look at verse 3 again. Speak unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month. And so from the tenth to the fourteenth, 
They had to watch that lamb. They were to observe that lamb. And they were to do so carefully because when they were going to offer that lamb, that father then would have to take that lamb on the day they were to sacrifice it. And he would have to look it over very good. I mean, on its belly, in its mouth, in its eyes. No, 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 you know, nothing festered and nothing, you know, like you get a cold in your eyes sometimes and that eye weeps. <coughs> Pardon me, weeps a little bit. There couldn't be anything like that. Couldn't be anything wrong. That lamb had to be perfect. A perfect example. You know, the 4-H, they get out here, boy, don't they judge them pretty hard. Uh, we've got some friends back in New Canaan that do that, and their kids, boy, they get those lambs, and they hold their heads a certain way, and they do all this, and it's it's almost like the dog shows. This would be a, like a perfect example of what a great day it is, or what a chihuahua is, or whatever. Well, that lamb had to be perfect. And they were going to watch him there for four days. And the thing that you and I have to understand, you know, the Lord Jesus didn't come on one day, arrive in this world, and die the next. That didn't happen. Amen. He was here. He lived for 33 years. And you can mark it down that everybody watched him over those 33 years. And, uh, and we know that he was without spot or blemish himself. As a matter of fact, he says to the Pharisees in John chapter 8 and verse 46, he said, Which of you convinceth me of sin? He said, If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Which of you find, in other words, and, and what do they say, man, we find no fault in him. That isn't what Pilate said. I find no fault in him. He didn't have anything wrong with him. In those four days, that is a picture of his time here in the earth. Four, like the four, four compass points. You got the four seasons that you have. Winter, spring, summer, fall. The north, south, east, west. You have all those things. It represents, it represents the earth. And so the Lord Jesus was here. God manifest in the flesh on this planet being observed the whole time. And he had no fault in him. Have you ever thought about this too? How old was the Lord Jesus when, when, he, when he started his ministry? He was about 30 years old. And that ministry lasted for some three years or so. Had a little bit of change. He was 33 years old. Have you ever thought about this? What happened? Do you remember when the wise men came and they came to Herod? And they said, man, they walked in there and they said, uh, we, we, and probably they investigated a little bit and said, you know, why are you here? Well, you know, we've seen this guy star in the east that brought us over here. And we're looking for him that's called king of the Jews. Well, guess what? Herod was like, man, I need to know about that. Tell me a little more. Tell me a little more. And so, man, they'd come out of there and they're telling about what they saw and what, what. And I think it was Daniel that gave them that information. That's just my opinion. The Bible doesn't say. But these wise men, they came from afar. They followed his star. And, uh, and they had seen that. And so they came. And, uh, and so they, they were going to worship him. And Herod wanted to know. And so what did Herod do? You remember what he did? He, he made it. He sent out a command and he said, I want you to kill every male child that's two years old and under. And those Roman soldiers did that. Can you imagine the cries that were going out? Now, thankfully, the Lord Jesus was his parents, Mary and stepdad, Joseph, they were warned, right? And so they went down to Egypt. That didn't happen. So guess how many 33 year olds there were running around in town? Not many. Why? Because he, all of his generation, a lot of them had been wiped out. There were not many like him. He was separated from the rest, beloved. But man, he was perfect. Amen. 
He was sinless. He was perfect. And so our Passover lamb, in every way, the lamb of Moses in Moses' day is pictured by God's sinless, perfect lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. That lamb was spotless. Man, if he wasn't spotless, he wasn't qualified. To provide that sacrifice. That's part of the reason why Jesus was not born. Uh, was born of a virgin. And not born of a human being. Not born. He was born of the Holy Spirit. Had he been born of Joseph. Had he been Joseph's biological son. He couldn't have gone to Calvary for us. Why? Because he'd have had a sin nature. And the Lord Jesus didn't have a sin nature. Amen. So our Passover lamb. Man he was spotless. And then I want you to notice. Look with me in verse in, in verse 6, please. Verse 6, notice what it says. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Not only was the Passover lamb spotless, but I want you to know the Passover lamb was sacrificed. That lamb was sacrificed. Do you know that ever since the Garden of Eden, the relationship between redemption and the remission of sin has been centered upon the blood of the innocent. Do you remember if you go back, if you go back to the garden, what happened there in the garden? When they were when they had sinned, they they when Adam had sinned, they covered themselves in fig leaves and so forth. And the Bible says that that, that God made them coats of skins and clothed them. Well, where did those skins come from? There were some innocent animals that lost their life, if you will, to cover Adam and Eve, and their blood was shed. If you go back, if you, and then when, you know, then when Abel was born, or Cain and Abel were born, what did Abel do? Abel brought the firstling of his flocks, and God had respect unto that. Cain came along and said, I'm going to give him something out of the ground that I grew with my own hands here and so forth, and God didn't have respect unto that. So that idea of a blood sacrifice, that idea of the shedding of blood, it got started back there in the garden, and you can trace it all the way through the Bible, that the, that the basis for man's redemption has always been upon the blood of another. And, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 9 and verse 22, it says, almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no Remission. There's no forgiveness without it. The holiness of God demands it. And it had to be done. And so, so in Genesis 3, we find out that God clothed them. And that's the first mention of the shedding of blood. But being near the lamb, liking the lamb. Uh, you know, think about it with me. Now, tying the lamb to the door. That was not going to be enough. I mean, back there in, in Egypt, what did, what did he say to them? I want you to take this blood, put it on the lintels and doorposts of your homes. But, you know, but, and, and people feel like, you know, sometimes I think folks look at the Lord Jesus and they say, boy, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was kind. He was all those things. That's like liking the lamb, petting the lamb, feeding the lamb, being good to the lamb, making, you know, a little talk. And you're going to tie the lamb to the door. That's not the same thing as that lamb dying sacrificing its blood. It's not the same thing. It had to be done as God commanded. That's the reason why, you know, there's so much vain religion out in the world today is because they just won't come God's way. It's repulsive to them. It's repugnant to them to think about the shedding of blood that something would have to die in order to produce life. 
Well, that, that beloved is exactly what had, to, what had to be done. To try to do it some other way would only have resulted in death. Remember Abel and Cain? What happened? Man, he told him, he said, man, sin lieth at the door. That's what he told Cain. And Cain was driven out. That lamb had to die. Why? Because the blood is the life of the flesh. It is the life of the flesh. Moses' lamb pictures God's lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So that lamb, that Passover lamb was spotless, but that Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. He had to be sacrificed. There was no other way. The third thing I want you to see is the Passover lamb was the means of salvation. Look with me in verse 7. Notice what it says, and they shall take the uh, they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Then look in verse twelve. God tells him, "For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment." I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. We sing a song about that, don't we? And, and, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, once that lamb was slain, that father, whoever, that leader of that home, he had to take that. He had to catch that blood in a basin. And they would take that blood and he had something called hyssop. It was a plant that grows there. And it would have like a straw-like, if you will, with its, with its stem and so forth. They would dip it in there. The scripture says to take a bunch of hyssop and put it on there. And then they were to take that, dip that in that basin of blood, and then sprinkle it across the lintel, that which would be like the header of the door, and then along the doorposts, that when God, when, when God came through and he saw that token that was there, he knew he was going to pass over that house. And so everybody on the inside was going to be okay. They were going to be safe. So through the, so, so through the lamb's blood, they were safe. But by the Lord's word, they were made secure. God told him it was this way. And this is what we have today. According to verse 12, God was going to pass through that land of Egypt that night. And wherever the blood was found, he would pass over them and no plague would harm them. And beloved, that's what we enjoy tonight as God's children. We enjoy that Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. And when God sees the blood applied to our account, and we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, and when he sees that token in our lives, man, we are saved and we are secure. The blood saves us and the Lord's word secures us. And we know that he cannot lie. That he cannot lie. And so we enjoy this tonight. And, and, uh, and what's interesting about this is we look, I want you to see this next thing. What's so interesting about this though. So this lamb, he was spotless and he was sacrificed. And in the shedding of his blood and the Passover lamb brought about our salvation, if you will. Their safety in that time. And hyssop, you know, it pictures, it pictures faith. That's how we apply the blood, isn't it? By faith, hyssop is a picture of that. 
And, uh, and so I want you to see the fourth thing tonight. I want you to see that the Passover lamb was satisfying. And you say, how do you mean satisfying? Look with me, look with me in verse eight. Notice what it says. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat, it, eat not of it raw nor sodden, that means boiled, sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with the legs, and with the pertinence thereof, and ye shall not and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning shall ye burn with fire. Verse eleven, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, satisfying. The Lord's Passover, that Passover lamb was satisfying. Satisfying how? It satisfied the demand of God and it also satisfied those that were going to partake of it. Think about this. Now listen, once that lamb was was uh, the blood was applied, it was to be roasted, not boiled or eaten raw. It was to be roasted. It's kind of a picture, if you will, of the wrath of God that was poured out on his son. It was done that way. God punished his son in our place. He became our substitute. And that lamb, if you will, shed its blood. It was roasted and there was nothing left of it. And they were to eat of it. They were to eat it with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. And those two things are significant of their times that they were in bondage. And it's just like for us, we need to remember where we came from. Amen. I don't know about you, but I wasn't doing very well before the Lord came up there to six and a half mile Badger Road down that gravel road and brought the gospel to my house. I wasn't doing very well. I, I don't know about the rest of you. I, I, you know, I wasn't kicking my feet up and you know, got my, I didn't have the world by the tail. I didn't have any of those things. And I'm just saying tonight that that lamb was satisfied. What Jesus Christ did, God the, in the book of Isaiah said, God was satisfied with the, with the offering of his soul. God satisfied him. But think about it. What were they getting ready to do? What was the nation getting ready to do? They were getting ready to have to march out of there. And they were going to have to leave. That's why their clothes are on them. As if, you know, as if they're prepared to go to work. But they weren't. In other words, what I want you to see is they were going to have to have strength for the journey. And man, you know what? The journey's too great for us. But we have a lamb. Supplies with what we need through the, by the grace of God and the peace of God, the things that to meet every circumstance. So that lamb satisfied God, and it was going to satisfy those who were about to leave Egypt. And all, all I can say is, man, I, you know, I'm satisfied with Him. Amen. What I, what I want to be, man, I just want to make sure that He's satisfied with me. Amen. That's the part we've got to keep in mind if you will, but I want you to know it's eaten in its entirety. It's kind of like the titles of the Lord. He's not just Savior, but He is Lord and Savior. There was to be nothing left. What does Lord mean? Lord means master, owner. You know, people, you know, sometimes people, they, they talk about the Lord Jesus a little bit like, like as if He were fire insurance. I just want a Savior, but I, I, I don't know that I really want to submit to Him. 
You know, that doesn't work, beloved. He's either, he's Lord and Savior, or he, you know, or he has no part with us. It's everything. It's all or nothing. And and this is interesting. I, I looked this up and I was trying to find out about the Passover and how they do it. And actually, according to a according to a, a rabbi here, an Ashkenazi Jew, of which I have some of that. I didn't realize that until after I had done the research, but but uh, these Ashkenazi Jews, do you know what? They don't eat lamb at the Passover. These people that are meeting tonight, they're going to have something else instead. They don't eat the lamb. They don't enjoy that part because what they believe is that that uh, that in order to do that, you you have you have to offer that lamb. It was only intended for the temple sacrifice, and because they don't have a temple anymore. Uh, because it was destroyed, there is now no place for that sacrifice. So they go through all, they have something tonight, what's called a Seder, the Passover Seder. And they do a number of things and they take the, they take the matzah, the unleavened bread, and they substitute some things. And you know, to this day, there is a spirit of blindness that's upon many of our Jewish friends out there. They just don't see the Savior and they don't participate. And it, it, it's just amazing how all this fits together they don't participate. They don't see him in this respect as being the son of God and being the sacrifice for them. They don't see that. They handle all these things. I, I forgot it tonight. I meant to bring one out uh, from what we have, our matzahs, but if you hold them up and there's stripes on there where it's been roasted in the oven. There's, there's holes in it where it's been pierced, just like our Savior, all those things. And they don't participate in any of that. So that lamb was sacrificed. That lamb was spotless. That lamb was made for our salvation. That lamb was satisfying. And, uh, and to give us strength for the journey that we are on. And this is the reason why, beloved, our nearness to him, it makes such a difference that part of the thing that we should be doing, our worship of him, not just here collectively, but individually, even in your own homes, as you worship the Lord and you spend time with him, that he's the first thing on your mind when you wake up and the last thing that's on your mind when you go to bed at night and that we're thinking about him, we're acknowledging him and we're talking to him and celebrating him. Listen, when we observe the Lord's Supper, Lord willing, at the end of this month, we're not celebrating the corpse. He's alive. That's why, that's why the Lord's Supper is not a somber thing. I'm not having a funeral. I'm having a celebration. He's alive. And thank God. If he wasn't, we'd be in a mess. We'd be in a mess. That Passover lamb, he satisfies. And he satisfies that longing heart. If you'll give him the opportunity, he'll do it. He'll do it. Because everything that we need, he is. Amen. He is. And I want you to see the last thing, and I'm going to be done. The Passover lamb, he had to be spotless. But wasn't the Lord Jesus sinless? Amen. The sinless son of God. He had to be sacrificed. He had to be killed. His blood was shed there on Calvary. You know, and... Uh, and in doing these things, then, you know, as a part of that, he became our salvation. And it's through that blood. And when God sees the blood, he said, I would pass over you. And that lamb was satisfied. It satisfied the demands of God and satisfied the needs of man. 
What a blessing. And those two things, I mean, that's why he's the bridge. If you kind of look at the cross, you kind of think of that being a bridge. Here's a holy God and sinful men, and there's a huge gulf, and we can't get back to him. But there's a bridge that was made, and he became that bridge between a holy God and sinful men and made a way when there was no way. But I want you to see the last thing. Look with me in verse 3. Not only is he satisfied, but the Passover lamb was intended to be shared. Notice what it says. Look at verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house Take it according to the number of the souls, every man according to his eating, and shall make your count for the lamb. The lamb was to be shared. Beloved, it's just too much for one person. He's just too much for one. Do you remember those, do you remember those three lepers? If you know a little bit about your Old Testament, they were sitting outside. There had been the... the the Assyrians had been out there and they were laying siege and man they were they were and they were they were selling they were selling doves dung they were selling manure for so much and the head of this and and the head of that and they were doing because Israel was being shut up and they were laid siege to and those lepers got out there and they said man you know if we just sit here we're going to die because we got leprosy we just might as well go in there and just see what we can do. And so, man, they get up and they go to the Assyrians' camp. And what do they find? They find, what do they get in there? They find, they find that everybody's gone. And, man, the tents are good. God had taken care of that. Man, the, the tents were empty. And what they left in such a hurry, man, there was food in there. And there was all kinds of stuff. And, man, they're just gobbling it down. God, they're taking all this. And you know what they said? They looked at each other and they said, you know what? We do not well. And they said, man, there's a whole lot of people back there. There's a whole lot of people back there. We need to go tell them about this. So what did they do? Man, they ran back. Those lepers went back and told them what had happened and what they had found. Beloved, we've got good news to share. We have a story to tell. We have a story to tell. We got tracks on the wall, man. I, we need to empty that thing out so I can put some more in it. We each have a responsibility. Remember, do you remember that demoniac when he got saved? He said, Lord, I just want to follow you. I just want to go with you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm clothed. I'm in my right mind. I want to learn. And, he, and Jesus said, no. He said, I want you to go home to your family and friends and tell them what great things that God has done for thee. Amen. Beloved, we have something to tell. If that household was too little, that lamb slain was not to be wasted the lamb was to be shared with the house next door. And we should be sharing him, beloved, wherever we go. He's just too much for one person. Just too much for one family. Too much for one community. Yes. That's why we're trying to get his name around the world. Because believe it or not, even in the 21st century, there are places where they've never heard the name of our blessed Savior. Places where they've never heard of Jesus. Boy, he's worthy, is he not? Amen. Amen. Listen, listen to this, and I'm going to be done. John was writing, and he said, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts of the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands 
I would say <clears throat> that's a lot. Amen. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders, that's a picture of the church. The four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And we used to sing a song that said, Thou art worthy, Thou art worthy, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, to receive honor, glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created, has all things created, for Thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Boy. Yes, he is. Uh, my word just can't do it justice. But, you know, we're going to be praising him here. I hope that we worship him here. You praise him here. But good night, beloved. When we get there. There'll be no end to it. Why? Because he, he's worthy right now. He'll be worthy then. There's something to tell. Something to share. We need to be like that demoniac Gadara. Go home and tell. We need to be like those three guys. We do not well if we don't tell somebody about this. Let's be about our Father's business. Amen. That lamb is to be shared. Our Passover lamb. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the precious word of God and these dear saints. Lord, I ask that you'll touch every heart, Father. May we, may we just go away, approach this week as we think about uh, coming to the house of God and your death, Lord, that, that uh, came on this night as you, as you were beaten and abused and tormented, Lord, and blindfolded and stripped and humiliated. All those things that occurred. I just pray, Father, that we might be mindful of them. Lord, as we walk in this world, who we belong to and what our purpose is in life. We want to bring glory and honor to you, Father, for thou art worthy. I pray you'll equip us, energize us, Lord, to see, get a new vision, Lord, for what we can be doing. And I pray you'll bless now as we go to our homes. We love you tonight. We thank you. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.